And that's why we're here this morning. Amen? Hey, so glad um, you are here with us. If you have a Bible, uh, here at New Hope, we are going through the year in the Word. We're doing books of the Bible. And if you have a Bible, turn to the book of Luke with me. And it's the end of the book of Luke, chapter 24. And uh, we're going to get into that in just a minute. If you don't have a Bible, we do have Bibles. They're free. You can grab one on the table just around that wall or download the app. You need lots of Bible apps out there, and you can join along. I always read it up here on the TV on the screen as well. And so if you don't have one, don't worry. You're not going to miss out. Uh, we try to make the Bible make sense, and that's what we're going to do this morning as we get into it. And so it's Easter. You know, Easter, there's a lot of traditions around Easter. Um, there's a lot of family events that happen. How many of you have, like, Easter plans with your family? Show of hands if you got to do Okay. Some of you are here, and the only reason you came to church is because they said you got to come to church to go to the Easter thing with your family. Thank you for doing it. Awesome. Uh, don't feel uncomfortable. That, that's, that's, we're glad you're here uh, with us on that. And so another tradition, you know, for me as a kid, I grew up in the church. My dad was a, was a preacher. And, and so, yes, we always had Easter at church, uh, but we still also did this thing with Easter baskets, right? So as kids, we would wake up Easter morning, and then there would be a basket, and it is loaded with so many good things, right? Like, I don't know if Easter candy is some of the best candy. There is one thing that is the best candy. We'll get to that in a minute. But, but some of us get things like this, you know, a giant Easter egg, and you get excited as a kid, at least you, you got excited about what's in it, what's going to be in that Easter egg. So imagine if, if you've got one, and, uh, and you open it up, and, and you're like, oh my gosh, what's in here? And you start digging in, and you open up, and the thing that you find is carrots, what, the Easter bunny left his lunch in my basket? Like, what's up with that? Like, carrot, anybody like carrots? We got some carrot lovers. Okay, you guys are weird, by the way. They taste horrible. Like, that's why there's ranch dressing and like hummus, all sorts of stuff. It's the only way I'll eat one of these, right? And, and so like, bummer, your basket is full of carrots or, or, or maybe there's uh, littler eggs inside of it. And so you get an egg and then you start shaking it. Oh, see, as a kid, what's in there? Okay, quarters is the hope, right? So imagine you're like, okay, see, when I was a kid, four quarters was something, all right? Like today, the Dollar Tree doesn't even sell things for a dollar, right? Like I need an extra quarter, dad, you know, to buy something at the Dollar Tree. But you open it up and you look, and it's like, wait a minute, these are pennies. Four pennies? You gave me four cents in carrots. Okay, my hope of Easter is all gone, right? Because it's like my hope of what I wanted to experience, what I was hoping for in that basket is not there, and now I'm bummed out about it, right? Really bummed out about it. Because what should be in an Easter basket? Chocolate. Okay, and if you've been around New Hope a long time, there's one thing that I think is the, the chocolate that has been more blessed by God than anything else. Okay? Oh, great. Yeah, somebody shouted out. It's the, it's the Reese's egg. Can I get an Amen. Okay, one of the best. Who wants one? Anybody want a Reese's egg? All right. Oh, I see, I see Jim there. I dropped that the last time, too. All right, Jim. Who else? Anybody else want to? Okay, back corner. Everybody has to watch out, okay, because it may not get to where I want it to go. Oh, look at that. Good throw. Anybody else? What else we got? I should be playing baseball. Okay. Look at that. All right, one more. I got one more on this side over here. Okay, Johnny, you had your hand up. Nope. Oh, oh, good catch. Right. So that, if you get that in your basket, all your hopes have come true, right? That's for me, my, that's what's in my Easter basket. And, and, you know, like, we're at church, and we're going to talk about, you know, Christian stuff about it. I don't think there's anything wrong with Easter baskets and that kind of stuff, as long as you attach the truth. Because for us, our hope isn't found in the Easter basket, right? Our, our hope is found in, in Jesus, right? And, and, and so for us, when we celebrate Christ, or Christmas, we celebrate Easter, it's one of those two holidays some of you come to. So like Easter, um, 
when we celebrate Easter, <laughs> I love you, all right? So like this is, just so you know, we have fun here at New Hope, all right? We, we, we have some fun. At Easter, this is what it's about. It's about Jesus. Now here's the thing, when we're getting into the Easter story in Luke chapter 24, the, the disciples, there were these disciples that followed Jesus, right? There were the 12, which, which were these 12 that were close to Jesus that he called to, to teach them and all that kind of stuff. Then there was a bigger group around that that would follow, and they were considered disciples that were full of women and men, and, and they would follow. And then there'd be like hundreds that would follow Jesus to see what he's doing, and that he's, he's healing people, and he's talking about the kingdom of heaven in a way they never heard about. And the thing is, when you get to this story, you get to the Easter story, uh, what happens when Jesus dies on the cross— all of these disciples that were following Jesus had hopes in this Jesus. They kept hearing he is the Messiah. He's the one that we've seen all through the prophecies of the Old Testament that God is preparing his people. At that point, it was the Jews looking forward to this Messiah that would come and save them. And they thought a couple of things. One, they thought they would save, him from the, save them from the oppression of Rome because the Jews lived under Rome and Rome was a pretty big deal, but they controlled everybody. They, they like, the Messiah's going to come and, get, and free us politically and rule so we can rule over everybody politically. So that was one idea that they had. They, they thought, well, they're gonna, he's going to save us and, and he's going to bring us into heaven. Like, we're going to see the kingdom of heaven. And they had all these expectations and hopes in who this Jesus was as, it, as they were following. That was what was in their basket, right? And the thing is, when Jesus died on the cross, this is what we know when we're going to look into the story, all of their hopes were dashed. The things they had hoped for in this person of Jesus were now no longer there. They didn't know what was happening next. They were confused and worried and fearful, and their hope was gone. And that's where we get into in Luke chapter 24. Right after Jesus hung on the cross, see, we, we storied through it the last couple of weeks. If you haven't been here at New Hope, you can always go back and watch our sermons, okay? You can go to mynewhope.tv forward slash sermons, go to our YouTube channel, I think there's been over like 17,000 hours this month, people watching our videos and stuff, which is so awesome. Um, but you can go back and watch because we've been storing through these chapters getting to this moment. And last week we talked about the Last Supper and communion, how Jesus was putting a new covenant into place. All the Old Testament, all the old laws, all the old prophecies, Jesus was showing that he was going to bring something new, a new way to be with God. And then we saw last week, we, we storied through the whole arrest of Jesus and all the trials, six different trials he had to go on. Three of them were in the religious courts and three of them were in the public courts and all of them he was found innocent, 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 innocent. They still took him to the cross and crucified him as a, as a murderer's death. That is who hung on crosses in Rome. The murderer against Rome and he did none of that. And they, they still hung him on that cross because the Jews and the Jewish leaders were threatened by this thing that he was starting. They thought at that moment, finally, he's dead. And he was. His body was lifeless. To prove it, they jabbed him in the ribs and blood came out. There was no life in that body. They took him down off that cross and they took him into a tomb where then they put soldiers in front of and sealed it to make sure nothing happened to this body of this Jesus the leaders, religious leaders, thought, finally, it's squashed. This whole thing that he's preaching, all this threat of what we live like is over. And the disciples, the followers of Jesus, now were hopeless. The one we put our hope in, he's in a tomb. He's dead. What do we do? That's what we're going to talk about today. How, how do we move from hopelessness to real hope? 
because uh, some of us in this room in our life, like there's some hopeless things. There's hopeless situations that we go through in life. And there are times when we need to understand where our hope is really found because it's not found in circumstances. It's found in something so much deeper and greater. And, uh, and I want you to experience that today. You see, for us as Christians, um, you need to understand the foundation of Christianity isn't Christians, okay? If like us being Christians because there were a lot of good Christians, um, that would be a mess because there's a lot of bad Christians too. Do anybody know any bad Christians? No, I'm just kidding. Don't do it. All right. Like there, there are Christians that like, I'm like, if that's Christianity, I don't want to have anything to do with it, right? And, and I know those. There's, there's Christians that I don't like. So if this whole thing is just about Christians being Christians and being good people, then, then it's a mess. Then honestly, we're hopeless still because that's what the Jewish leaders were trying to do. Let's just be the good people. Let's do all the good works and do all the good law and keep it all up so we look like something on the outside, but on the inside, they were far from God. It has nothing to do with rules. It has nothing to do with religion. The whole foundation of what we believe as Christians is actually what we're talking about today in Luke 24, okay? And so if you come and you're skeptical, that's awesome. Welcome. I'm glad you're here. This is a great place to, to search, to listen, and to maybe get some answers for what this whole thing is all about. And so let's hop into it then. Let's hop into the story in Luke chapter 24. If you have your Bibles open with me and you're ready, say, yep. yep. All right, here we go. Luke 24, the very first part, we, read, we heard it in the very beginning. It's when the angels were, uh, or the women were actually coming uh, the, day, the next day after Sabbath to come and wrap Jesus' body appropriately because he was buried on Sabbath and, and for the Jews, they couldn't work on the Sabbath. It was against their rules. And so they waited to the next morning. And so the women that were the followers of Jesus came and, and prepared all the spices, prepared all the things to, to actually prepare the body appropriately. They get to the tomb and they find that the stone is rolled away. And now they're wondering what in the world is going on, okay? And so we get to this moment in, uh, in Luke 24, in the first part in verse six, the angel then shows up and there's angels there and says, he is not here, but say this with me, he has risen. <laughs> Remember how he spoke to you while he was still in Galilee, saying that the Son of Man must be handed over to sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise from the dead. Now, I want to I pause here for a minute. Jesus had been teaching his disciples that this was going to happen the whole time. But the disciples went pew, right over their heads. This should encourage you. Because there are things when you read the Bible that go pew, the people who were next to Jesus, it was going pew, all right? Like they didn't fully understand what was going on. And so if you don't understand the Bible, you're in great company. Um, God wants to teach us what he was saying. And in this moment, like the angels are like, don't you remember Jesus said this and he said that, that, that this is what had to happen. And then finally it says, and they remembered his words. All of a sudden it's like light bulb. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. I forgot that's what he said because they were coming to the tomb with no hope. They were coming to the tomb to prepare a body to stay in the tomb. Do you, do you hear that? Do you see that? They weren't at the tomb. What's going to happen? What's going to happen? That's not what was going on. There was no crowd outside the tomb. There was no party going on saying, okay, we remember what he said. He's going to be out in three, three days. All right, okay, let's get ready. Let's all have the streamers. Let's have the noisemakers. So when he comes out, we can just party. Like none of that. Nobody was waiting outside that tomb. They were coming back to prepare for what they thought was going to be forever. You with me? With the hopelessness that his followers were experiencing? See, when Jesus died, their hopes died. 
So you get farther then down um, into the story here, starting in verse 17. Jesus now, he's appeared. He appears to the women, actually. Has a conversation with them. They run back to the disciples and are like, we saw the risen, we saw Jesus alive. And they're like, what? We're going to hear more about that story in just a minute. And then we get into this part of chapter 24. And Jesus is walking on the road. This is called the road to Emmaus. They're walking about seven miles to get to where they're going. And two of Jesus' disciples, these people that were following, these guys that were following him, are downcast. And they're just walking together, and Jesus shows up beside them. But he hides his identity. They don't know it's Jesus that they're talking to. I don't know what he did. I don't know if Jesus did like the whole superstar thing with sunglasses and a hat. It's like, who is this? You know, I, that's not what he did, okay? Um, but he hid his identity somehow. And so he asked them, Jesus, as he's walking with these two disciples, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces, what? Downcast. Again, they're not full of hope. They're hopeless. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here in these days? It's like, where have you been? Like, I love this, like, you read into these stories. It's like, Jesus, he must have been having fun right now, right? He's just, like, Jesus, God has a sense of humor, and I'm so grateful he does, right? Because, of course, he knows what's going on. He's Jesus. He's like, I was in the tomb, and now I'm not. Yeah, I know what's going on. He's like, no, hmm, interesting. You know, like, and so he's like, are you not the only one? Because the thing for them in Jerusalem, this is the big news of Jerusalem. Like, a, a, week, a, a week before, the entire city was proclaiming, here comes the king of kings, the king of the Jews has showed up, and they put their branches down and their cloaks down, and he rode into the city. That was Palm Sunday, right? And they were celebrating. The whole city was abuzz about this Jesus. And now the whole city knows that same Jesus is the one that just died on the cross. When he died on the cross, it was not quiet. Earthquakes, darkness. I mean, everybody in Jerusalem knew what was going on. The Jewish leaders knew what was going on, and they hoped they finished the deal. Like, let's get rid of this Jesus. It's done. Jesus' followers are wondering, what now? The one we thought that was the Messiah, he's buried. The closest followers are hiding in fear. Like, that's what's going on. And the whole news around Jerusalem, they're all talking about it. So they're like, who are you? Are you an outsider? Like, do you not know what's going on in Jerusalem and what's happening there in these days? What things, he asked. I love it. Jesus is like, tell me more. <laughs> like, 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 he doesn't know, but he's like, what things? Describe to me what's going on. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. And they saw it. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped. You see what's going on? But we had hoped. Yep, had. Their hope was no more. That he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. That's what was in their basket. They had hoped that this Jesus was the Messiah, but now they're like, he's dead, he's been crucified. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. So now they're even more confused because they're like, the ladies went, they said he wasn't there. We're trying to figure out what's going on, trying to understand 
the big picture of, of what is happening. See, this moment, I'm going to stop right there just for a second. Um, no, let me keep reading, and then I'll stop. They came and told us, these women, that they had seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. So the disciples, after the women went, they saw the angel said no, and they saw Jesus. They run back, and they're like, he's alive. Disciples run back to the tomb. They don't see Jesus. They don't see the angels, but they see an empty tomb, and they see the cloths folded and is laying there. And now they're like, what is going on? What is happening right now? They're still confused, okay? Um, now, this is an interesting part of the resurrection story that I don't want us to miss. The very first people that saw the empty tomb and heard about the risen Savior were women. That actually matters in the story, okay? That's not just a side note. And I need to understand why that matters. So, so back in, in, in the Bible times, back in Jerusalem, first century, uh, women were not valued in community. And their testimony would not hold up in court. So if something happened and a woman saw it happen, was a witness of it, went to court, their testimony would not be valid in that court. So for the writers of the Gospels to come to this story and this point of the story about this Jesus, who they were hoping is the Messiah, and get to the point now where the very first people to see that were women, if they were making this story up, that wouldn't have been in the story. Because to make up the story would have been like, no, 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 like Peter, the main disciple, was the first one that saw, he's the one that saw Jesus, he's the one, because that would have validated, right? Because the lead disciple saw it, and it was a man, so we can listen to their testimony. See, the fact that it was women that saw the risen Savior, two things. One, you wouldn't write that into the story unless it actually happened. And the reality is, that's what actually happened. That's why it's there. And uh, the second part of the story, I need you to understand, especially for the women in the room, when Jesus lived and walked on this earth, the culture treated women one way, but Jesus treated them completely different. Jesus valued them and spoke life into the women around him. And we actually see this part of the story actually shows us how much God values women. So if you've been to church and like, well, church is kind of this, you know, male leadership thing and even God is and blah, blah, and women are less, like, get rid of that notion. This is a part of the story because God wanted us to understand the value of everyone in the story and the fact that this actually happened. See, if, if I wrote a story and, um, and so like, you know, the disciples and, and, and as these, these wrote the gospel stories, um, if I was a disciple and my name was Thomas and I knew my buddy's writing his gospel. See, Thomas was the disciple that, that we learned wasn't there when Jesus all of a sudden appeared to the room that was locked with the rest of the disciples because that was another appearance of Jesus in this moment. He left here, boom, then he appeared to the disciples in the upper room, in the locked room. Thomas wasn't there. Thomas comes back later, and they're like, we saw him. Jesus is alive. We saw him here. And Thomas is like, I'm not, I'm not going to believe that until I see the piercing and, and I see the scars. That's the only time I'm going to believe it. 
And then it happened. Jesus showed up when Thomas was in the room. And then all of a sudden, like, imagine, like, being Thomas in that moment. And Jesus is like, uh, um, hey, Thomas, what's up? <laughs> you know, like, like, you'd feel bad for Thomas, right? He's like, oh, no, this is, Jesus says, no, touch, feel. Feel my hands. Feel my scars. Why is that in the story? Because it happened. If I was writing myself into the story, I would not write myself as the coward in the story. I'd write myself as the hero. I was the one that knew what was going on. See, none of the disciples write it that way because that's not what happened. They wrote it the way it happened. They ran away. All the disciples fled when Jesus died on the cross. They weren't sitting there going, okay, he's, something's going to happen, something's going to happen. No, they all scattered. If you're making up a story, why would you write it that way? This isn't a story. This is history. These things really happened. And this is how they happened. And so when we read this part, I want us to understand this validates the story of the resurrection. That these women saw the risen Savior and came back to the disciples. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. <laughs> They, probably, they felt foolish a little while later, all right? So, like, they were like, I'm, I'm sorry, Mary. You were right. Like, I'm sorry. Like, you actually did see him because now he visited us. We saw him, the living Savior. He is alive. He's alive. And so as Jesus is walking with these two disciples, then he starts talking and teaching them. He starts explaining to them the whole story of the Old Testament prophecies. He goes back to Abraham, and through Abraham, he starts sharing, like, this is what the Messiah was going to do. This is what's going to happen. And he stories through all the Old Testament to the point of this, the death, the burial, and the resurrection. And as he's teaching them, they still don't know it's him. But something is stirring up inside of them, like, oh my goodness, we forgot all of this. We didn't understand all this fully. And then we get to uh, verse 30. It says, when he was at the table, they invited Jesus to stop with them to eat. So it's like, oh, you know, it's getting dark. Why don't you stay with us and have a meal with us? And so when he was at the table, Jesus, with them, he took the bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. And something clicks in this moment. I don't know how many times these disciples were around Jesus when he did this exact same thing. But then in verse 31, then their eyes were opened. And they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. I don't know how that worked, y'all. We just know Jesus, when he was risen, he was fully man, he was fully flesh, and he was fully God, fully spirit. He was both and. Things that our minds can't fully understand, but that's who he was in the risen form. And so he could appear, and he could disappear. He had appeared in the room with the disciples. Boom, I'm here. Ah! And they freaked out. They thought he was a ghost. He's like, no, touch. I'm here. And now, in this moment, all of a sudden, their eyes were open. I need you to know, my prayer for every single one in this room is that our eyes would be open to Jesus. Who he really is. There's a lot of people out there who talk about him. There's a lot of TV specials that are so screwed up. If you're watching documentaries about Jesus on certain stations, it's like they have no idea what they're talking about. In this moment, their eyes were open and they recognized and then he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while, we, while he talked with us on the road? And he opened the scriptures to us. They're like, they felt and sensed something, but all of a sudden when their eyes were open, they knew 
this is the risen Savior. He is alive. This right here, who they saw, is the foundation of what we believe as Christians. We don't gather together because God is a good idea. We don't gather together because being good is a good idea. We don't gather together to make each other feel better. We gather together because Jesus didn't just die, he rose from the dead and he is alive. Now, let me, let me story through this and help you understand what I mean when I'm saying this. See, in the beginning, we see in the book of Acts, right after this, we see Jesus' ascension, he gives the mission to the, to the disciples, the disciples receive the Holy Spirit, and then they start preaching, okay? And, and they start preaching, and what is it that they're preaching? See, now, th- this is what they didn't do, okay? Jesus died, he's in the tomb, and they're, they're, this, is, this is not what happened, okay? So follow me with this. This is not what happened. This is what some people think might have happened. Jesus is dead. Now what do we do? Our hope is gone. We thought he was going to be the Messiah. We liked his teaching. Maybe we should just keep this teaching going. And so as disciples, maybe they had a conversation. Well, let's try that. Let's, let's go in the cities. And let's just start teaching the stuff Jesus taught. Let's just start teaching like some parables. Um, maybe we'll, we'll teach about the kingdom of heaven and what that means. And we'll just start teaching this good stuff that, that we learned from God when he, or Jesus, when he was teaching everywhere he was. That's what we're going to teach everybody, okay? Because then, then maybe, maybe we'll get some people and they'll be like, okay, yeah, yeah, I like this. And they'll start this thing and maybe we'll get a little group together and, and then we'll keep doing that. See, that's not what happened. That's not what happened at all. That would have never happened. They wouldn't have done that. Because where was their hope? Their hope wasn't in a teaching. Their hope was in a Savior. And what actually happened is they saw the risen Savior. The first messages of the church had nothing to do with being a good person. They weren't, well, Jesus taught this, and this is what the kingdom of heaven looks like, so here's a parable about this. Like, that's not what they did. The very first message was Peter, when he received the power of the Holy Spirit, shows up in Jerusalem and starts preaching, you all crucified this Jesus, but he conquered death, and he rose from the dead, and he is alive today. That was the message they preached. And they went to city, to city, to city, and they preached the gospel for them. A risen Savior was the message. That is what the church is founded on. Not good teachings. Not to be a good person. I'm hoping when you know Jesus, you start growing as a person. That's, that's our hope and desire. But we don't get saved by being a good person. That's not how it works. That's not where salvation, that's not what Christianity is about. And so we see this with the disciples. The reason they re-engaged with what was going on and what they were taught wasn't because of what they heard. It's because of who they saw. They saw Jesus. Actually, this is what Peter says in Acts chapter 2. This is the message. He says, God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. That was the first message. He's like, we're not excited because of what Jesus taught. We're excited because we saw Jesus, and he's alive. That is the story. That is the gospel. That is the good news. Later on, we see Paul writing to the church in Corinth, the Corinthians, and he says it this way. He says, Um, This Jesus, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, which is Peter, and then to the twelve. So he physically appeared in person 
after he rose from the dead. And after that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living. This is why the church started. It didn't start with a good idea. It started with a God idea. It started with Jesus. And disciples who said, no, we've seen him. They didn't give up their lives, and uh, many of them die martyrs' death because of what they believed. They died because who they saw, the risen Savior. See, that's my only point for the morning. A lot of times I have a bunch of fill-in-the-blanks, and you can, like, follow along. This is it. The disciples didn't re-engage because of what they believed. It was because of who they saw, Jesus, alive. Are you with me? Believing is a good idea, but believing in Jesus is a better idea. Believing that Jesus is alive is the gospel. Many of these disciples went on to be hung upside down and crucified, to be burnt at the stake, to be killed, to be beheaded. Like, I'm telling you, if it were me and I hadn't seen the risen Jesus, I would have said, no, no, just kidding. But the truth was, they saw him. And they could not reject what they had seen and who they experienced in Jesus. See, all through the Old Testament and in this point of history, we actually, a a, a little while ago, we did a series through the book of Galatians in the New Testament. The book of Galatians is all about these new Christians that were trying to live up to the letter of the Old Testament law. They were still trying to earn God after they received salvation. They still were trying to be good enough to get to God. And and I'm telling you, none of us are good enough to get to God. You can't. I can't be good enough. None of us in this room can be good enough. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. All of us in this room do that. Let me explain it this way. I, I just want to simplify it. See, all of us, almost all of us, have an idea of what is up here. God, eternity, heaven, karma. Like every world religion has something that they're trying to get to. Some kind of eternity, some kind of final destination. Some people believe, you know, you die and you just, that's it. You don't exist any longer. That's unfortunate. And every world religion is trying to do something to get to God. So this is you. Okay? You use a little too much self-tanner. All right, so you're a little orange. And the reality is what we try to do is we try to be good people. And we try to climb up the good ladder to get to God. And, uh, and maybe it's like, hey, you know, I try to be kind to people. And, and, and you know, I try to be nice and be a good father, a good mother, a good good friend, you know, um, uh, I recycle. God loves the earth, right? So that gets me a little bit higher. And uh, I, I, I didn't use a certain finger while I was driving. That, I'm a good person, right? And so, and then we get mad at our kids and we scream at them. It's like, oops, and we, you, know, you climb down a little bit. And then, and, then, and then maybe like somebody really sins against you and you're like, I can't forgive them. I'm not going to forgive them. And then we try to be good again. And that's what people try to do. In every world religion, actually what they do is, here's our list. Here's our list of rules. 
that you need to do. So you need to pray this many times, bow this many times this way every single day. You got to celebrate this festival and this festival, and, and you got to be sure that you um, do this religious thing and, and bow down to that idol. And, and so you do all this religious stuff to try to climb up this ladder of goodness to get to God. And if you ask anybody in any other world religion, how do you know that you've made it? How do you know when you've reached that level? And none of them can give you an answer because they don't know. You don't know. There's no assurance in knowing because you could do all the good and right stuff and maybe you were just right there and then you died and you were one step away from being perfect. That would suck, wouldn't it? See, the reality is God knows this about us. (laughs) He knows that we're sinners. I mean, God knows every single one of it. He knows your story. He knows my story. He knows the things you do in public. He knows every single thing you do in private, even the, the private thoughts that you have in your life. Like, he knows all of it. And that can be scary. I mean, if God was the God that some of you think he is, if God is a God who's up there with a hammer and a fist, and he's there just to bring judgment and anger and wrath against you because you're evil, like, if that's the way you see God, that's gonna suck because that's, that's like... There's no way you can appease that God if that's who God is. But that's not who God is. God, the biggest definition that we see in the New Testament of who God is, God is love. The character of God that rules in the kingdom of heaven is love. That's who he is. And God knew there was no way that we could climb this ladder of perfection. No way possible. I can't do it. Man, if we had confession time, we're not that kind of church, by the way. I'd be nervous to talk to that priest. <laughs> we all should be nervous because it's like we all sin. And God said, I still want to be with them. I still want to have a relationship with them. I still want them to be with me now, right now. And I want them to be with me forever. And so us trying to climb our, I'm going to be a good Christian. I'm going to be a good person. I'm going to, even on our best day, this last step can never be reached. And God knew that, and which is why he sent someone down to get us. We can't go up. He sent his son Jesus down to this earth to become man, to become a person, to experience all the same things we experience, but to do it sinless. Then to become the ultimate payment the final perfect lamb of God sacrificed once and for all to take on him, his body, his blood, the sins of everyone. That is what happened on the cross. The cross is the biggest symbol of God's love for you. But you need to understand the tomb is the symbol of God's power for you. The cross is where we were forgiven. When we come to him, we see all through the New Testament, we are only saved by faith. Faith is just trusting that Jesus is who he says he is and that God's done what he's done. That's what faith is. If you believe Jesus is who he said he is and he's done for you what he said he's done, you can be forgiven. And now when God sees you, who does he see instead? He sees Jesus. Because my sin has been put on him, his righteousness His perfection, God's holiness through Jesus has been put into my account. Now I am seen by God as just, as right, as forgiven. And that's the only way a relationship with God works. 
And it only happens because Jesus conquered death and rose again. It's that power that we can have living in us, the Holy Spirit. See, the disciples knew this. They didn't re-engage because God was a good idea and his teachings were good. They re-engaged and they started the church because they saw this risen Savior, Jesus. And so this Easter, everybody in this room, if you're a Christ follower, this is just a reminder for us. This is a good day to remind us we don't deserve a thing. God's love gives us everything. Amen? Amen. And those of you who don't know this God yet, I want you to know him. He's done everything for you to know him. And today, if you want to, by faith, say, yes, I want to have a real relationship with this God who loves me, knows me, and wants to forgive me, and I'm going to confess Jesus as my Savior, as the one that paid my price, paid for my sin, and forgives me. You can have that relationship today. Let's take a moment to respond, and let's just take a moment to pray. God, thank you so much for your word. I thank you so much that, that you have not left us hanging out here just trying to figure things out, that you have written your story through the Bible, that we can see the testimony of the disciples and those close of exactly what happened and how you showed your love to us through Christ on the cross and how you showed your power for us through the empty tomb and a risen Savior. And today, God, as we respond, I just want Holy Spirit to speak whatever you want to speak to each of us. You know what's going on in all of our lives. Every single one of us in this room, you know what's going on. I know some of us in this room, we have soft hearts. Some of us in this room, we're just angry in life. Some of us in this room, God, we're grateful for salvation. Like all sorts of things. And so Holy Spirit, just speak to each of us as you will in this time. This is what I want us to do. I, I said earlier in the gathering that all of us were going to do something with that connect card. So everybody pull out that connect card on your worship program for me right now. And, uh, and I want you to write your, your name, at least your name on the front of it um, and fill out that connect card. But on the back, we're going to take a time to respond. And for all of us in this room, this message of the gospel, what God has done for us, this isn't like a gray area. Like all of us respond one way or another to this message. And I want you to be real and honest about where you are, okay? Um, here at New Hope, we're real people, okay? We, we, don't, we don't toy around or, or mess around. Like, we, we just are real with where we're at. And so this is what I want you to do today. I want you to circle one of those letters on the back of that Connect card, A, B, C, or D. And today, if you're a Christ follower, I want you to circle A. I am already in a real relationship with Jesus. If that's you, awesome. Praise God. Today's a great reminder of why we celebrate what we celebrate, right? And why we can have that relationship. So if that's you, I just want you to circle A on the back of that connect card. Now, those of you today, if, if, you've, if God's been like tugging on your heart, I need you to know that's the Holy Spirit working. This is, that's just not emotion. That's just not like, you know, like we played a neat song and it made you feel something. Like if the Holy Spirit's like leading you and you want to experience a relationship with God and salvation, I want you to mark B today and make a decision to put your faith in this Jesus that we're talking about. And in a moment, we're going to pray together. And if you want to do that, we're going to pray. You can pray by faith, with your words, with your heart, and you can start that relationship today. So if that's you, I want you to circle B and we will praise God with you because your eternal address has changed. <laughs> your destination with God 
is secure. Now, some of you in this room, you're like, I don't know about all this Christian stuff. I don't know about all this church stuff. You like came, you're visiting today, and you're like, eh. you know, I'm curious, but I'm not ready for any of that stuff, Tim. Like, it, if that's you, just be real with me. Say, I'd like to consider it more. Circle C. Like, I'm interested. I want to hear more. And, and I need, you know, there's been people that have circled C, and they've come to church here for like two or three years. And they're still kind of like, I'm still pursuing it. And that's okay. This is a great, safe place for you to pursue that and get questions answered and, and to wrestle with God. So if that's you, circle C. And then the rest of you, if, if it's like, you know what, this whole church thing, I'm here because I have a lunch after this. I'm here because like my grandma told me I have to be here or I'm going to hell or whatever. Like whatever it is for you. Like it, 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 I seriously want you to be absolutely real with me and say, you know what, D, I really don't ever intend to make a decision about this. Like th- this whole church thing, this whole Jesus thing, it's just not my thing. You can be real with me and that's okay. And it's just circle D and say, just, I'm not into this. And that's okay. You're still welcome to come every Sunday. You're still welcome to just hang out with us. That is fine, okay? But the reality is all of us in this room, the response to Jesus can never be a a no response. Like, you have to respond one way or another. Either you accept him or you reject him. That's, that's, That's life. Today, if you're, if you're wanting to take this step and say, you know what? If God did all that for me, if God really loves me that much, that my sin was on Jesus, then I, I want that. And so we're gonna take time to pray together. And so let's do that. Let's, let's just take a moment and, and pray. And, and if you wanna take that step, I, I want you to pray this out loud to God. I want you to confess it with your mouth. Believe it in your heart. Again, it's your faith and your confession. It's, it's, there are no magic words of the pastor that will ever get you anywhere. I'm a sinner just like you. We're all at the same place at the cross, okay? So don't ever think, some pastor pray with me, I'm in. Like, this is, on, this, is, this is you. This is your relationship with God. So if you want to do this, you pray with your own words, your own heart. All right, let's pray together. You can say this. Say, God, Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on the cross. I trust and believe he paid for my sin on that cross. And I'm asking, would you forgive me, God, now and forever? I want you in my heart. I want you in my life. I want to be set free. And I want your Holy Spirit in me. I want all of who you are, God. So forgive me. Free me and lead me to you more and more each day. I give you my life and I give you my all. I want to be yours now and forever. And I just ask this in Christ's name alone. Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. And God, for all of us in this room, whatever thing we mark today, A, B, C, or D, my prayer for all of us in this room that you will show yourself to each of us personally, God, this week. and that you will lead us deeper and closer into a a real relationship with you. And today, we're just here to say thank you. And it's in Christ's name I pray. Everybody said amen. Amen.